It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, Cofield and Company, second hour. I feel like I got to bring this energy up a little bit. I feel like it's, no, it's my fault. It's my fault. I am the trusty host at this point right now. Steve Cofield is out today, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. Cofield has decided to protest San Diego State's birth in the national championship game by refusing to come into work. He might be back. Or maybe I'm about to get a big promotion. Who knows? Really? Officially, that means we got to change the name. It'll be Vatos all the time. I've wanted a more clever name than last name and company. Make some changes around here. Oh, man. We're going to change the producer? Still up for debate. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number four. All right, I'm already starting to dislike. So I have, I will say, I have introduced technology into the Cofield and Company family. Uh, I will take credit for this, showing Steve what a Google Doc is. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. But I also don't like it because I have opened it so you guys could edit it. And so right now, I just saw number four that you added yeah. to the rundown. And it actually kind of scared me. I was like, when did I put that in? I actually had like a memory lapse. But you did. Am I wrong? So yesterday at the place in which I was viewing the game. So what you're saying is you have a problem with, with us having a little input? Uh, no, I actually just kind of, I was like, did I did I put that in? It made okay. me think, like, did I put that in? Am I speaking for Willie? Okay. Just threw me off. That's all. all right. Also, I don't care about your opinion. We were where I was watching the game yesterday. It was a sports book. And after the national championship game is over, everybody loves the one shining moment, right? I'm over it. Well, here's the thing. So immediately, once Jim Nance says his goodbye, which we'll get to momentarily, the book switched the audio over to Guardians Athletics. Now... It was a high-scoring game. I'm a baseball fan. I was down. I had a lot of fantasy players in that game, so I wanted to watch it. Shout out Ramon Mariano, who got me home run in that game. So I was kind of down with that. However, everybody, including maybe the aforementioned Steve Cofield, was livid that the one shining moment was not shown and you could not hear it in the book, and I could not care less. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't focus on that. Focus on the topic. We don't have a lot of time. Okay. Am I wrong? Am I emotionally detached here? No. I don't care about one shining First moment. of all, you were in a sports book. Yeah. Okay. Let's do you this. go to the sports book to watch games in which people have action on, not for tearjerkers. The game was over. It's sure. time to move on to a game. All right. Good. I'm not the only one who thought this. You're, you're kind of old school. I figured you'd be into it. If you're at home and you're watching whatever you want to get into, that's fine. But no, where you are at... It makes perfect sense, and I'm with you. Like I told you before, I, I dozed off, and and I didn't care about going back and watching the whole three-minute production. I just want, I had to watch it for one reason, to make sure that someone was in it, and that's it. Who? What? I wanted to make sure that Julian Strother's shot that you and I saw live got in there for personal reasons. Was it? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I still haven't watched. I it watched it on moment. my. I, I I kept hitting fast forward. I watched it on my phone. Yeah. And then I screen recorded the three-second blip. And put it on my Instagram story and tag Julian on it like, because you know it's obvious it's family. I feel like I feel like we're told by the masses that we have to care about these sort of things emotionally in sports. I don't really care about it that much. No, it's an old song. It's an old tradition. I've never found myself wanting to watch it. 
It's not the best part of Monday night. Number three. Which leads me into my next topic. So yesterday was Jim Nance final. Nance? Nance's? It's a Z, but it's pronounced like S. I'm going to go Nance. Jim Nance final call for March Madness for the NCAA tournament. Now, I was surprised because, one, I don't really keep up with this, so I didn't understand that it was his last one. But the tone of it yesterday, I actually I asked the question when we were sitting around in the group I was there. I was like, is Nance retiring? I mean, listen to this. It's it's such an emotional send-off. I thought he was done for good. One thing I learned through all of this is everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. Just try to find that story. Be kind. You told it better than most, let me tell you. Can I tell you one other thing? I mean this, not to try to play off hello friends, but to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend. I I, I, I didn't get it. He's going to be on the Masters call this weekend. Right. That's And here I didn't know that it was just basketball until I left here yesterday after our show. And immediately we went to this elongated two-hour pregame. Uh, and I'm driving up Flamingo. Stop at the grocery store. And as I'm pulling in, I sat there to listen to. I, I, I mistakenly, I, I regretted it in the end because I'm listening to it. Because it's, it's, it's leading into this pregame show, right? And it started with a tribute to Nance. Yeah. Come to find out. No, it's just from college basketball. Because he goes, you know, I'll still be around. It's still, I'm just retiring from college basketball. I'm, I'm thinking to myself. Wait a minute, we're making a big deal because you're signing up. By the way, I didn't realize this, so you know what his first Final Four was. Because he he talked about it. He said, to follow in the footsteps of Brent Musburger, who at that time he was looking up to. Brent Musburger's last call was UNLV 103-73 over Duke. Nance's first Final Four, Duke beat UNLV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he talked about, you know, coming in 91. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I was like, wait a minute. What? He's not even retiring? All right, good. I'm not. I'm glad because I kind of felt I, in these moments I feel somewhat callous because I don't get wrapped up I'm a into this stuff. That we're agreeable on the first two. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't really care about announcers to be quite honest. So, like, and I and I'm actually kind of surprised again that you were kind of on my wavelength here, only because you know, people of your generation tend to fall into more of the category of like, oh, the announcers back in my day, and I love them, and blah 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 blah. No, I do, I, and, and I appreciate what he's done for the college basketball. But it's like, like you said, like he's not going away. Okay, great. Who, who's the next right. voice? Like I read these headlines: Jim Nance's final men's mar- uh, men's March Madness sign off was perfect and made everyone so emotional. And I was like, he's it didn't make. We're going to hear him again in a week. Yeah, it didn't really make anybody. I mean, I don't know. I guess. All right, I'm glad. I felt like I, I felt like kind of a. A D-bag. I'm still more upset about Howard Cosell being forced off Monday Night Football than Jim Nance being uh, retiring from college basketball only. He also still, I think he still gives away his ties. I haven't seen an update on that. You know that story? How he brings a new tie to each March Madness and would give it to a player that he deems, I don't know, like the, the, the one that he, I think he said mo- learned the most from or something like that. Is that like the Madden turkey leg on Thanksgiving? I mean, kind Remember of, but would you that? want Jim Nance's tie? I don't know. I, I, no. Right? Just, 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 just say, hey, he's my player of the game. Slap me on the back and say, good job. I don't know if I'm, what I'm going to do with your time. Just, just, you know, you know what? Just give me a Cena. There you go. We're so mean. Jim Nance is getting all emotional. Hey, hey, hey! Look, it's a big step for him. I get it. I understand. He's a very accomplished broadcaster, but I just didn't understand. It's like the Berman thing. Has he retired like six times? Yeah. I still see him on my TV screen 
every football Yeah, the season. big sign-off from Sunday nights, him and uh, uh, what's his, uh, Tommy Jacks, right? The, the whole thing, that, that I remember, the whole send-off. And then all of a sudden, he's he's still on out at 4 o'clock when, when the games go off and they go into Sunday Night Football. Number two. We did it, folks. We did it. This is what I mean. The power of the people. Power of our show. You broke the news yesterday. It did. Although the tweet was like an hour old. Yeah, but we broke it to our listeners. We we talked it down. We immediately shunned the notion. Jill Biden got roasted so hard for the thought of maybe inviting the Iowa women's basketball team to the White House that they have already walked it back. Her press secretary, who you rightfully called out, posted on Twitter that Biden, quote, looks forward to welcoming the LSU women's basketball team. Quote, First Lady loved watching the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship game alongside young student-athletes and admires how far women have advanced in sports since the passing of Title Nine. Her comments in Colorado were intended to applaud the historic game and all women athletes. She looks forward to celebrating the LSU Tigers on their championship win at the White House. Steve brings this angle up all the time. This is what you get when it comes to the equal coverage. You lose, you don't get in. That's how it works. I will say one thing that we we, we spoke out of bounds because we didn't see the picture at the time. But she did. We said, did she even watch this? But there is the picture. Ah, accompan- it's one still image. You have no idea what she was paying attention to. Well, no, but the caption says that she was at the game listening to the national anthem. I see Billie Jean King there. Okay. But nevertheless, it's not the game. She's listening to the anthem. She loves America. So at that point, once the national anthem, she right. she, she, she went up on. to the buffet line. She yeah, was eating popcorn. She didn't care. She was talking about kibbutz. She called it a good game. Yeah, it wasn't. Iowa it, got was a, it was a terrible game. Right. Yeah, they didn't play good at all. So I don't believe her. The other fallout from the Women's National Championship game that we need to clean up. We had all these, I'm going to say, non-athletes on Twitter talking about, it's sportsmanship. You can't do those things. You can't go around and make you know the ring symbol at somebody. You know what? We talked to Rich Ornberger yesterday. What did he say? He said he liked it. Made the argument that, eh, you know what? He, she could do it more, Angel Reese. And how about Caitlin Clark, the biggest talker of them all? Ari, what did she have to say about it? You know, I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. Um, you know, no matter which way it goes, um, you know, she should never be criticized for what she did. Um, you know, I'm just one that competes and she competed. So I think everybody knew there was going to be a little trash talk in the entire tournament. It's not just me and Angel. So, um, you know, I don't think she should be criticized, like I said. Take that, you dweebs. Right. It's sports. People get heated. They do that. And guess what? It's incredible how the more athletes come out and give their opinions, the people who play these games, the more of them are like, Dad, we don't really care. It's fine. It's what happens. We're competitive everywhere. We're competitive in this room. I'm competitive when it comes to the bets that are made throughout this show. When it comes to Cofield, I owe him a bet right now, Mm. and I'm not too happy about it. I'm still salty that Lindsey Brown owes me lunch from the Vikings getting pummeled by my Dallas Cowboys. Mm. She hasn't come through. She's a welcher. So I'm competitive. I'm giving her the Cena. That's right. And I think Steve should rub it in your face that you owe him something. Yeah, but see, I'm not a welcher. Right. But the point is... He'll rub it in my pocketbook. The point is that... Or my wallet. Whatever you want. Competitive nature takes over. And half, like more, like more, the vast majority of people on Twitter have no idea what they're talking about. These athletes can take these sort of things. And in fact, some of them actually enjoy it. Number one. All right, big news. Oh, boy. Todd McShay's fourth mock draft is out. It's not really the big news. I love that these guys get like six cracks at it. 
You never really know. Like It's like, nah, you know what? And you know what I love the most about this? So in his latest mock, one of the biggest changes is he has C.J. Stroud going number one overall. And even in the write-up, he even goes, we might not have the answer until the pick's announced, and I'm not sure Carolina even knows yet. I projected Bryce Young here last time. I'm going to go with Stroud this time around. It could go either way. So like, Don't put yourself out on the line. Right. Like, he has no idea. Nobody knows what's going to happen in some of these mock drafts. But when I was reading McShay's latest mock draft, something kind of stuck out to me, Willie. Oh, boy. Are you ready for this excerpt? I am. So in the mock draft, I will you – know, let's scroll down here really quickly. At number seven, he has the Las Vegas Raiders taking Devin Witherspoon, corner out of Illinois. What's interesting in this is in his piece, for those wondering whether Las Vegas could jump on Levis if he's available, I'll just say I've heard buzz that it, being Las Vegas, isn't interested in using a high pick on a quarterback unless unless Young or Stroud were miraculously available. Hmm. Good. That's Maybe that's why they signed Hoyer. I think this points to one thing. Hendon Hooker? Hendon Hooker is going to be a Las Vegas Raider. In the fourth, fifth round? Second. Okay. I don't think he lasts that long. Do you, I, there's there's an upside to Hooker despite the injury. When is Anthony Richardson going? Hopefully seventh. Oh yeah. No 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 no. He'll go third. He will. Either the Colts trade up to get him, or somebody's trading into that spot to get him. The but, hype has has been strong enough to where now he's going top three. The the ceiling, I think, and what he could potentially be, that could be the case. But having said that. There's a lot of interesting news coming out of the Las Vegas Raiders in terms of what they might do in the draft and what it might ultimately mean. We'll talk about this after we talk to Sean Merriman, but there's been another quarterback that's been thrown out there to potentially be available in the market. And Mike Florio is reporting that the Las Vegas Raiders might be sniffing around a young quarterback that could be available. And guess what? He's a former New England Patriot. It's the voice of Jordan Hawkins, national champion. On uh, his and his cousin, actually, Angel Reese, and their recent championships within 24 hours of each other. How about that? That's going to be a celebration. Th- that's got to be quite the celebration, I would think. I might get invited to the barbecue. Uh, do you know them? No. Okay. Well, we know. I mean, Sean Merriman might not remember us, but he's been on frequently, and Sean Merriman's with us now. Sean, we appreciate uh, the time very much. So, I wanted to inform our listeners too that you do guys, uh, you guys do have Lights Out Extreme Fighting, Lights Out Nine coming up on Fubo. That's going to be May sixth at the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank. And I wanted to ask you. I wanted to start there actually, because obviously you see the Lights Out Nine. How has this been going for you? How, how much have you learned as being the founder of this? And it seems to be growing pretty well. Yeah, man, you know, it's fun. Uh, our last fight we had January 14th broken the football sports uh, top 10 most watched all time. So that was um, really cool for us, you know, because the people and the fans will tell you. <laughs> you know, they'll tell you if you're, what you're doing is good or not. Uh, we got, As you said, we got a huge fight uh, May 6th in, in L.A. Burbank, at the Burbank Marriott Event Center. You can get your ticket to .com. Uh They're selling out pretty fast here. And uh, if you can't make it to the fight, well, uh, you can catch us on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. If you don't have it, get it. Uh, we got some young, up-and-coming superstars, man. And I was, I was happy to get them on this card because uh, some of these guys are and, and women are going to be uh, superstars here soon. Can you, can you walk us through the card a little bit, give us some highlights and, and some of the guys that we might see on this thing? Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, you know, have Ryan Lilly back. Um, he fought for us a couple times. He'll be the headliner. Um, he'll fought in Bellator, some other big, big, big uh, promotions. And uh, he's been thrown down for us for uh, quite some time. Really excited about Julian Duckinfield, man. He was, you know, played football in college. 
And just remember this name, Julian Duckerfield. Right? He this this guy is uh, he's next level, and he has that uh, you know that kind of football player build to him. You can tell we played football back in the day with those legs and his strength and how explosive he is. And I've been working on getting just transitioning more former athletes, man. Uh, waiting for a couple guys to finish with the XFL so they can come over and sign and take a few fights. So it, it's fun for me because I made this transition a long time ago, and I, I really push these guys to pick up some kind of combat sport when they're done. I can't help but notice you did not mention the matchup between you and Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so, you know, Gronk is my boy, and I, we, I, I knew it was going to be a pretty big, um, you know, April Fool's thing, uh, and it was. And I just didn't know it was going to get picked up by some national media. And so we're, we're like, behind the scenes, we're laughing, right? We can't, you know, can't stop laughing. And I, and I figured everybody at some point in time uh, would realize it was April Fool's joke. But then again, you know, there's been some talk about me possibly fighting for a long time. So I think that most people took that, uh, took that serious initially. So I wanted to pick your brain. You know, one of the hot topics coming out of this last weekend was, of course, the national championship game between uh, LSU and um, Iowa and what transpired between Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. And I know that you had some opinions on this that you posted on social media. And we've been asking some of the former athletes we've had on the last couple of days about the idea of sportsmanship and, and what it actually means for people who play the game as opposed to people who are just on Twitter. And I've kind of been in the mindset that, like, look, man, like you, you guys and you athletes, when you're in these moments, like these are highly competitive moments, especially when championships are on the line. And I feel like when you're on the field of play, those sort of things actually don't matter and are understood by other athletes when there's some trash talking going around. Yeah, you know, this is the thing. I just sometimes wish that politics and a certain part of, of, of the world stay out of sports mm-hmm. because you just don't know what it, what it means to compete on that level, right? Uh, you know, these, these women, they both had tremendous seasons. They, the off-seasons, the, the training camps, the, the back-to-back days, being so waking up in the morning, you're preparing for somebody and you finally get a chance to have some success against them. There's a lot of emotions going on during that game. And it wasn't just those two talking. I know Kayla came out and, and, and really backed Reese up, which I'm glad she did because she's basically saying, look, we're competitors. We, we both wanted to get out of each other. We both did it. And I, I just wish that this whole, hey, this is wrong, or she did it 10, 10 seconds longer than Kayla did, and trying to really trying to pick, you know, yeah, kind of point the finger. And the truth of the matter is, is that people sometimes need to stay out of sports. If you don't know what it's like to compete on the highest level, to have and prepare for somebody for a full year and get to that moment, then stay out of it. Speaking with former NFL linebacker Sean Merriman, founder of Lights Out MMA. So with that, Sean, we've seen in the boxing ranks and other MMA organizations, competitive women hit the octagon or hit the ring. Uh, we got any uh, female competitors coming into Lights Out? Yeah, we do. I'm, I'm actually working on a few right now. Um, you know, a few has uh, contracts with big organizations that are working on a contract. to have a, a couple fights for us. And uh, I love seeing the ladies uh, throw down, man, because they really love to get after it. Uh, they always bring out a great crowd. And, uh, you know, whenever we had a, a, a female fight on, on football, it's got some of our best viewership. So I know the people, the fans, the audience, they really love that. And uh, we're just looking to grow this brand, man, and grow the company um, and have – Really, the next up and coming superstar to fight on the card. And, you know, the fortunate part about me is being a former athlete, and uh, you know, I've been around big athletes most, for most of, my, most of my life. And so you start to see some of these up and comers that, that's going to be like re- really good personalities, train hard, take care of their bodies, um, you know, speak well, deal with the media well. 
and just really good character. And you look at him from a distance saying, man, that, that, that guy or that woman, she's going to be a superstar one day. You know, the um, we've seen more and more athletes, pro athletes, or just athletes in general, it doesn't really matter the, the sport, use mixed martial arts or boxing, uh, you know, just hitting the pads for their conditioning, especially during the offseason here with UFC headquarters here. Max Crosby loves it. Um, Chandler Jones' brother, obviously, John Jones. Your influence, obviously, as a, as a successful, you know, NFL veteran, have you had, you know, your, use your influence to remind Pro football players are do you are, are you are they coming over and using your facilities and getting in and 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 you finding it more and more and you being able to use your influence to get them to do off season conditioning in the octagon? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've been I, I did talk to Max um, down at the Super Bowl, Crosby, and uh, we'd love to get get him on some mitts and just train and cardio and things like that. He, he's such a you know he's a great person. But he's also a hell of an athlete. Um, I, I think if he ever did fight one day, he would be great at it. I told him that. But, yeah, I, I try to get some of these guys in the offseason to get better with their hand-eye coordination. Um, you know, Randy Gator my, was, my, was my first day of learning MMA, how to grapple and pumble, being able to use my leverage against some of these guys. And you know, at the time, I had Randy Gator about 60 or 70 pounds, and somehow he was still able to kind of throw me around and use my, my leverage and body against myself. And that's how – I really learned the sport. Um, and so now I try to transition some of these guys and say, look, just come get some work into the offseason. It's going to help your football career tremendously, as it did mine in 2006 when I came out of Legend League in fact. Yeah, when it comes to how MMA helps NFL players and football players, you know, you've talked about how it's improved you as a football player, as a pass rusher. Uh, it, with other positions in the sport, how does MMA translate to maybe improving them outside of just being a pass rusher? Well, for one, I can tell you that you've never been more tired <laughs> when right. someone's on top of you and you're trying to get up. Um, and, and two, what you what you start to learn is your body is conditioned a lot different. Um, I think in the football, we're so used to getting from point A to point B as fast and explosive as we can. But what happens when that fourth quarter comes and you're trying to suck air down and you can't you can't breathe? You got your head, and your, your face mask, and helmet up in the air because you're trying to reach for air. Well, um, I can tell you the cardio is in, is in this sport. And uh, once you get this down packed, then four quarters don't seem like nothing at all. So I wanted to ask you this. As, as a guy who played on the other end, obviously we're approaching the NFL draft, and the big topic at the top of it is who's going to go number one between these quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud has kind of been the, we'll call him somewhat like a weak favorite to go number one overall, and the big topic of conversation is obviously Bryce Young, his height, and the difference that it makes. As a guy who is opposed to a lot of quarterbacks, how big of a deal is this? Like, At what point does the skill as a quarterback outweigh the short stature of a guy like Bryce Young? Well, you know, people can talk about Bryce Young all they want. Um, but, you know, if, if people take a chance on Kyler Murray, they definitely can take a chance on Bryce Young. But I think the C.J. Stroud is going to go early because, he, in my eyes, he's more NFL prototype and ready right now to jump in. Um, I, I think that Bryce has a little bit of ways to go. And I'm not saying because of his size or anything like that. But they're going to have to fit him into an offense that's more comfortable for him and what he's used to doing. Uh, and it also depends on what team he goes to. If you have one of these coaches saying, hey, this is my style of offense, this is what I like to do, so you're really going to conform to what we need you to do as opposed to, hey, what are you great at doing? Right? What do you like at doing? You like to be a shotgun under the center. Uh, you, know, you, you like some kind of run pass option before you get in the ball down the field. So really, it's the offensive coordinator that's going to have to build around Bryce, you know, much like they did with Lamar Jackson. That offense look for Lamar Jackson is built around him. 
So, you know, if he if Rice has an offensive coordinator that's going to work with him, the quarterback coach is going to work with him because his size and what he's accustomed to doing, then he's going to have a lot of success in the NFL. Sean, we appreciate it. Before we get you out of here, let everybody know one more time, uh, Lights Out Extreme Fighting and what's coming up on Lights Out 9 and where they can get it. Yep, we got a big fight in L.A., uh, Burbank, uh, California, May 6th. It'll be Saturday, May 6th, live on Kumbo TV. And if you want to come to the fight in L.A., get your ticket to lightsoutxf.com. But, of course, if you don't got football, get it. This is going to be our biggest car yet. Always good to talk to you, man. Thanks a lot for the time. We appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me. Should be a conversation right up your alley. Athletics, training, using training, right? Yeah, conditioning and translating it to your respective sport. Right. I mean, it's – Like when I was growing up, the funny story you always heard, right, was, you know, and football players – some of them would take ballet because it helps with their dexterity and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, and or gymnastics. I, right, gymnastics right. and the interesting dynamic of learning how to grapple and whatnot as a pass rusher. I, I would be interested to see maybe hand fighting as a wide receiver when you're breaking press, things like that, how that yeah. translates, right? Or with Max, you know, hand, you know mm-hmm. you're coming up, you're, you know, detracting the, the offensive lineman. For, for Jordan, he did uh, Olympic-style Taekwondo growing up. Your son. Right. My son. And he and we would show up at the studio at 2.30, 3 o'clock for private lessons, be there till 9, and I'd have all these meals prepped for him. We didn't know about meal prep. There was no such thing. Social media wasn't around to make that go viral. Now what does he do? Two-time bodybuilding champ owns a gym, and he tells people how to meal prep. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Miles Simmons is going to join us. Pro Football Talk coming up at the top of the next hour. Got a lot to get to with Miles. Everything going on with the Arizona Cardinals. The news that Brian Hoyer is a Las Vegas Raider. So I mentioned before we talked to Sean Merriman, Willie. By the way, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. For those who are wondering, wow, Steve's voice got deep and seductive. Now it's just me. You're kind of like the local Freddie Coleman. You got that nice deep voice. Yeah, I was told. Dense. Growing up. A lot of density. Growing up, I was told, especially going through like the formative years when my voice changed, that I had a nice voice. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll make that into something. You had a voice so here I am. Yeah. It's the cigarettes. I don't smoke now. I used to. Really? Ooh, that might be an admission for my parents out there. Don't worry. I stopped when I turned 19. Jesus. <laughs> That's a good joke. A good By joke. the way, uh, real, quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Jonathan Quick has led the Golden Knights onto the ice in Nashville. He will be your starter. Okay. I get it, real quick. It's a good joke. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Bill Belichick headline. I mentioned I made a mistake in teasing this before we talked to Sean Merriman. I said a former Patriots quarterback. It could be a former Patriots quarterback. I, yeah, I, yeah. Mac Jones has apparently been shopped by Bill Belichick and potentially could be traded. And this, this is kind of the interesting thing that we've seen Raiders little things here and there today. I mentioned Todd McShay saying that he's gotten the sense that the Raiders aren't going to spend a top pick on a quarterback unless it's one of the top two guys, Stroud or Young. Well, Mike Florio, in this report that Belichick has shopped Mac Jones, had this little tidbit. The Raiders are the ones to keep watching. Jimmy Garoppolo's contract lands in the low end of middle class for starters, and Jones has two years left under a slotted rookie deal before his fifth-year option would apply. Now, we talked yesterday about the Raiders probably needing another quarterback, and they did that. Added Hoyer. Is this team done at quarterback, though, is the real question. You technically have three guys on the roster now. It can easily be changed if you want to acquire somebody. I actually think that Mac Jones still has quite a bit of potential. He showed it in his first year. 
And his second year, if you're going to punt on Mac Jones after being in an offense that was run by two guys who could not run an offense clearly, I think you should probably reevaluate the way you evaluate. It would be interesting if, because it ties in with McShay, right? If McShay's right in thinking, hey, I've heard that they're not really interested in one of these quarterbacks if it's not the top two guys. Acquiring Mac Jones it would be a cheap price while also using your draft picks to add to the defense, to add to your team. These are actually two reports that I think kind of go together. They do tie in with one another. And now and, and I don't think it's out of the question to add a fourth quarterback before the facilities even officially open to the players. There's no reason why you can't have that going into OTAs. It just right. creates a nice little bit more controversy or um, competition, competition underneath Garoppolo. And let's not forget that they also added not just Hoyer, but to the coaching staff, Danny Amendola is now a receivers coach. So, Patriot, 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 we have to win this year. I'm telling you, the pressure has been – some way or another, Mark Davis has made it known that you're not screwing this year up. You're not, you're, you are not – and there's only one way that McDaniels and Ziegler know, and it's the Patriots' way. So, I, I think that's a mistake, but that's a com- that's a topic for another day because we don't have enough time. To you talk think what's about a that. mistake? What I'm I, saying, I, or that's a mistake to think that? It's a mistake to think that. Yeah. I think it's a mistake to to try to accelerate your window if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh yeah, no, you know there's no I mean? doubt about it. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that's this. In, in my opinion, what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. this is a, this is actually the case. Doesn't make it right. Right. It would be. I think it's it's an interesting move if they do do it too because it gives you you have your veteran presence. You also have your young quarterback of the future if you want to do it that way, but. Mac Jones has been maybe shopped around, and the Raiders have been listed as maybe a potential spot. Depend. We'll ask. We'll ask Miles about this in the next hour, about what a price would be for a guy like Mac. Would Jones. you like the move? Oh, I would. Okay. I like. I think Mac Jones is a high ceiling. I, yeah. I look. Is he the most dynamic athlete and whatever? No, of course not. I think he comes but, right in as number two, and he could push Garoppolo. Of course, and could he fit into an offensive system like McDaniel's and eventually like maximize his floor? Yeah, of course. So I think it depends on the price, obviously. Right. But it'll be very fascinating to see. And also, the ripple effects. Well, if Mac Jones is gone, Lamar Jackson, New England Patriot, what does that mean for the Patriots' future at quarterback, too, right? Yeah. Everything's just coming together, baby. Sam Paniotovich joins us next. Betting analyst, Nesson and Fox Sports. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Referring old Sam Paniotovich. Be with us momentarily. I was going to grill him about his Chicago White Sox, who over the last couple of years have been a somewhat overvalued team. Everybody thinks the White Sox are the bee's knees, Willie. Ultimately, they kind of flame out. Off to a 2-3 and three start. Not great if you're outscored by 10 runs and you're only sub-500 by one game in five. Can't get you into baseball, huh? What are you talking about? You don't yes, seem interested. No, I was just pulling something up. I am interested. Oh. I like the. Uh, I was looking today. I was I was checking out some some numbers. Um, what are these numbers that you're checking out? I don't believe you. Runs per game. There, the league average is four point six two. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four, fifteen above the league average. Fourteen of them averaging at least five runs per game. I would have to think that's a nice uptick. Yeah. I mean, the Red Sox, 8.25 runs per game. The Rangers, 7.25. The Your Angels. Oh, boy. And Don't the Rangers, 6.75 runs per game. So, to your point here, uh, overs through Monday. Yeah. 37, 26, and 2. 
Nice. So a lot of people thought that these new rules would increase offense. Kind of been the case early on. Yesterday, 13-1-1. Yeah, that's what really made the big push. I mean, yesterday, that's why – so everybody was all mad about the the uh, one shiny moment not playing in the sports book yesterday. A's Guardians was great. It was like 10-8. They went to overtime. It was a final I – can't, I can't remember what the final score is. I think it was like 12-10 to 10 or something ridiculous. Like, this action has been awesome. The scoring has been up. This is everything that baseball has been wanting. First final today, Arizona. 12-11. 8-6 right. at Petco over Darvish. Yep. So – and, 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 hey, you know, those of you out there always looking for dogs, this is a great opportunity to pick up on dogs. And, and really, I mean, if you do your homework, do your, you know, do some due diligence on the pitchers, their history against certain teams, where there's a crack in the armor, and, and you can see where you may be able to sort of make some inward roads there with, with, with the right matchup. It's not – It's this is not – I like what I'm seeing over here in the first few days, five, six days, in terms of uh, these high-scoring games because you're putting – I don't know how much pressure is the right word, but in a sense, you're just – you know, you're you're keeping them honest. Well, it's – yeah, it's like some of these guys – I think it was Marcus Stroman in his first start had a scoreless outing, looked really good, and he even said – he goes – he's like, ah, I don't really like it. But then he goes out there and pitches really well. It gets you into a groove. So I, I dig it. I think this has been great. The, the scoring has been there. Overs have been up. So that's been a big thing in terms of the betting world and tracking that. Because you know a lot of people came into this wanting to bet overs, and that has been the case. And then you'll start to see the adjustments, too, in the uh, the numbers. It won't happen immediately. But I'm curious to see what the average total starts to look like if this trend continues. And again, we're talking about a small sample size, and as you mentioned, 13-1-1 yesterday to the over, that's going to skew the numbers a little bit early. Of the games that are in progress right now. This moment. Right, this moment. They're either scoreless, there's one game that's tied. Every other game, four of them. With, with the, where there's a, a team with a lead, three of them are underdogs. All right, so speaking of underdogs, we have some pretty big underdogs tonight in the NBA. Yes. This is the best time of year in the NBA in that, like, the basketball's somewhat not great, but the betting market freaks out about a lot of these teams that are eliminated, don't have much to play for, mm. and you get this weird mix, Willie, right? You get, on one side, you get a team that still has something to play for. And on one side, the other side, you get the team that has been eliminated and has nothing to play for. And the market will kind of freak out and severely downgrade, downgrades team that doesn't have anything to play for, severely upgrades team that has something to play for, and you get this mixed together, and you get these games where you have these massive point spreads. Right. But here's the kicker. Go back to Sunday. I don't know if you know, you've caught this. The Portland Trailblazers, as 19.5-point underdogs, win a game outright on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the largest point spread upset we've seen in the last 30 years in the NBA. In that day, because everybody's going to focus on the big underdog winning the game outright, San Antonio Spurs as double-digit underdogs won a game outright in Sacramento. Two other double-digit underdogs covered games on that day. Out of six teams that were nine points or higher in terms of underdogs, four of them covered two, one outright. So I bring this up because... While you might think like, oh, the Charlotte Hornets, they don't have anything to play for. Toronto can still finish 7th or 8th, which is really big, right? You get two opportunities to win one game as opposed to needing to win two games. Well, Charlotte, who was a massive underdog today, now they're up 40 to 35 right now over the Toronto Raptors. That might not hold, but the point is, is that you're not really getting the value you think you are when you're betting these massive favorites in these games. Seven double-digit favorites today. It's massive. The Heat, 
laying the points on. Uh, they're the only ones right now. Well, they're covering their number as we speak, but as you mentioned in the other one, Charlotte winning outright against the Raptors. we got a slew of games coming up later on today. I have my eye on Portland, Memphis. You mentioned the Trailblazers and my Lakers in Salt Lake. We'll, we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. Sam Panjanovic uh, is with us here. Sammy, appreciate it. I'm filling in for Steve, by the way. That's why the energy is a lot better, and the show is just really taken off at this point. Uh, I was actually I was hoping to get you earlier. We were opened up with baseball because I did want to poke fun at your two and three Chicago White Sox. It's all over, buddy. <laughs> that's where we're starting. Uh, I guess that's what I get for being late to this hit. Um, Dude, this team is going to have me in a straitjacket by August. I can already sense it because, you, you know, JVT and Willie, we've heard about this for, what, four seasons now. All this talent is on the way and all of this and all of that. And and then when the talent gets there, they either get hurt or we make excuses for them. Like like Michael Kopech gave up four home runs in an inning yesterday. Yeah. That, that can't happen. And he's 26, and they're like, well, maybe we babied him. Like, Come on, Luis Roberts, stay on the field. L.A. Jimenez, don't get hurt trying to catch a foul ball. You know, like, all these guys have so much potential, but they just can't put it together, man. It's so frustrating because the talent is there. I think that's the most talented team in the division. But it's maybe the third-best team in the division, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, of course. So, again, we're only five games in, and I know you put up on Twitter that you bet them to win the division. So what's the path for them? Is it just, hey, talent takes over? Because, like you said, from a betting perspective, this is – I think you could argue it's been one of the more overvalued betting teams over the last couple of seasons because of everything you're talking about. I think this was a good time, though, to, to buy low. I mean, remember coming in the last season, they were minus 600 to make the playoffs and minus 200 or higher to win the division. So I, I made the bet because I thought the number was off at about 250, 260. Uh, that being said, I mean, the path is to stay healthy. I mean, let's, let's also remember, I mean, they did just go into Houston and take two out of three from the champs. Yep. So that's. I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. I've seen Sox season start one and four and two and eight. So, I mean, they're two and three. They got pounded yesterday, but they were in every game against Houston. Granted, Astros down Altuve, but I thought Dylan Cease looked amazing. He pitches again tomorrow. That's a Cy Young contender. I mean, he finished second last year. He had 10 strikeouts and gave up like two hits. Uh, he's their anchor, but. They need Lance Lynn to stay healthy, and they need Lucas Giolito to figure this stuff out. So what's uh, as a better, what, what, how do you handle baseball early? Do you dive right in? Do you wait for sample sizes of data, uh, especially now in a post-college basketball world? What does your betting habits turn into when we get into Major League Baseball season? I think trends early you can run with. And I'm not just talking about the Red Sox being 4-0 or the over. I know the, the EV guys will say, well, that's a small sample size. Well, okay, if it starts 10-2, and then I'm 10-2 and and you're not. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear about that. The other interesting trend is like these bullpens that we weren't really familiar with really playing well early. And, and the number one bullpen in baseball right now, and if, if you bet baseball, you need to know this stuff. Go to covers.com and look for bullpen ERA. The Texas Rangers have the number one bullpen ERA. It's in the ones. And right behind them, I'm sure you know this, the L.A. Angels right now have a bullpen ERA in the high ones. It's like 1-8 or 1-9. You need teams that can prevent runs late. And if teams like the Twins and Angels and, um, and Rangers have good bullpens early, you can take advantage of that because those teams are going to be in more positions to win than teams like the White Sox with an 8 ERA. I think the Giants have a pretty high bullpen ERA. Good bullpens early are not discovered by the public, and you can definitely make some money on that. Speaking with Sammy P, betting analyst for Nesson and Fox Sports. So last year at this time, Sammy P, we were talking NFL draft. I remember you and I got on the phone. You helped me out with an article I was writing. Have you started zeroing in on your NFL draft picks and the odds? 
I would love to have some stuff to give you right now, Willie, but unfortunately there's like one sports book in this country that's setting the market on all this stuff right now, and that's DraftKings. Like, you know, the, the, forget the Nevada books. I was talking to Jeff Sherman today, and he's like, why would we put those up? We get slaughtered every year. Because, right. like, like you, you, put a, you put a market up. Say, you, say a guy like Zay Flowers, who's over under a week ago was 25 and a half. It's 24 and a half now. The juice yesterday was minus 150. Now it's minus 220. And I promise you it's going to keep going down. His over-under by draft night might be 20 and a half. And books are just seeing one-way sharp action. So they're not putting stuff up. And I think we're going to honestly like get to the week of the draft, and then you're going to see other books go, all right, now let's take some bets because all of these markets are set. It's wild because these guys don't make money on it. You, you ask any bookmaker in Vegas, NBA, NFL draft, they do not make money. So why put it up in late March, early April? It's hard to make draft picks because there aren't any draft picks right now. The only thing you can really bet is, like, who goes number one in most places. And I still think Bryce Young is not a bad bet at plus 250. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what Carolina is going to do because their owner's a maniac. And he could literally go one of three guys. But full circle here, there are not many markets up right now. And, and it's frustrating because they were money makers for years. How much do you think, because for those who don't remember, last year we had a lot of, we'll call it nonsense, when it came to the first overall pick in the NBA draft. I think, Sam, people forget there was some similar nonsense with the first pick in the NHL draft. Those were both things that were hung. So on top of these being losing wagers for books, there was also some weird stuff that happened with some pretty big markets last year. How much Have you talked to anybody about that, like how much that might play into the skittishness of books hanging these things up? Yeah, I mean, last year's NBA was crazy, number one. It was right. between Smith and, uh, and uh, Paulo, and that was back and forth, back and forth. It was like the wise guys against the mock draft guys, and the wise guys won because they all bet Bancaro at 20-1 to 1 and 15-1 to 1, all the way down to 4-1. to 1. And Then they came back and they bet Jabari Smith at like plus 3, plus 280, and they, they were free-rolling the first pick, and books got screwed. Um, I don't think it's the same thing in the NBA this year because, you know, Wemba Yama could tear his ACL or maybe both, and he'd still go one. Um, he's what is he like minus eight thousand to go first overall or something like that? It's yeah, insane. It's, um, it's reached like ten thousand in some is, spots. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be a quarterback. Pick the quarterback. Whoever you think is gonna go first, whether it's Stroud or Young or Richardson. I, I mean, it's gonna be a quarterback. We know that. Have you as now we're getting closer to the NBA playoffs? It's the last week of the regular season. Do you ramp up what you do for the NBA in terms of betting and content? Uh, yeah, we do a little more NBA, especially out here in Boston with the Celtics being so good. But I'll tell you what, man, this this Milwaukee team scares the hell out of me, you know. And I'm not even a Celtics guy; I'm a middling Chicago Bulls fan that's holding on to the Jordan years. Um, it, that Milwaukee team at full strength is the best team in the East. And you know, let's not forget that Boston went into Milwaukee and and beat them last year without Chris Middleton. Well, ideally, Milwaukee's healthy this year, and and I like Milwaukee. I'm just trying to figure out if there are any flyers left in the West. Like, can I throw Golden State down? Can they win a couple series? I just that's that's the conference I can't figure out. I have no idea who's winning the West. Yeah, I would say that with Andrew Wiggins coming back, it's a pretty good addition for Golden State, right? They become a little bit more attractive. He's been a pretty, a pretty important piece. Maple Jordan to tie in the Michael Jordan reference there. All right, man. Hey, we're up yep. against it. Before uh, before we get you out of here, though, really quickly. Have you heard any rumblings about this report from Florio? I don't know if you saw this, that Mac Jones was on the block potentially? Yeah, I heard it. Look, Mac Jones is the most boring quarterback I've ever been around, and the fact that it's this mesmerizing drives me insane. Like, he's an average quarterback. Like, it is what it is. I, I, look, they might have him, they might not. It doesn't matter. He's an average quarterback, period. All right, man. Appreciate some time. Thanks for hopping on, dude. Uh, you got it, Steve boys. Yep, you got it. Sam Penionovich again, betting analyst, Nesson, Fox Sports. And uh, don't forget the chicken dinner pod as well that Sam does. 
Yeah, we'll talk to Miles Simmons about that. There's a lot of ripple effects from some of these reports that we're seeing, whether it's McShay talking about the Raiders and what they want or don't want at the top of the draft, their quarterback situation, and what ultimately this report about Mac Jones being shot means for the future of the Patriots. It's a pretty interesting situation. What's going to be intriguing is who walks into the room or into the facility when we see the facility open to the athletes in a couple of weeks.